My name is Ronika Jacobs, and you found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. Leaving a Leadership Legacy. My next guest, Rocky Romanella, is helping people strive for more in the area of leadership and personal branding. Rocky is the founder and CEO of 360 Management Services, LLC, a management consulting firm specializing in keynote speaking, leadership development, and consulting services. With over 40 years, yes, guys, I said 40 years of leadership experience, Rocky delivers results by developing and implementing his balanced leadership model across enterprise operations. This includes a laser focus on customer needs, employee empowerment, and the demands of shareholders. In this episode, he will discuss the importance of personal branding in leadership. Hi, Rocky. Welcome. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. How are you? Well, I'm fine, and it's a pleasure to be on your show, and I look forward to our conversation. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so please share a bit about your career background, because I know it's interesting, but my listeners do not. So please share that. All right. Well, thank you for asking, and I think through my career, we're going to find out we have more in common than we originally thought. So, uh I started working at UPS. I was working my way through college. I was actually going to school to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach. And one of the things that I noticed while I was working part-time at UPS is that the best leaders were those people who could get their people to connect the dots, to see what we were trying to accomplish. So I never gave up my teaching, coaching passion. I just changed. uh, I went from a traditional classroom to a non-traditional classroom into business. And so I moved forward through UPS. They had a promotion from within policy, which I took advantage of. And it was an opportunity for me to grow and develop inside a company, but still maintain that love for teaching and coaching. And I think that's such an important part of of your brand and of of leaders is can you get your people to see the vision and can you help them connect the dots? When I got the job at UPS, my dad told me two things that stuck with me throughout my career that's been an important influence on me. The first is, He said to me, hey, look, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you. And then the second thing he told me is learn your job and learn some more. And so as people were tapping me on the shoulder for different responsibilities, I may not have maybe felt ready or maybe didn't have the confidence, but I kept hearing my dad saying, hey, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you. And that lesson I learned there as we talk about careers and we talk about people development and, and career development 
the lesson I learned there was that UPS believed in Rocky Romanello well in advance of me believing in myself. And what I learned is as a leader, there are times when you have to believe in your people until they're ready to believe in your, themselves. So you, you kind of give them the, the courage, the knowledge, the confidence as they're growing in that job. And then they get to that kind of break even point. And that's when you step back. That's when you let them fly. That's when you allow them to grow and develop. And that was such an important lesson for me. And I, I felt what it was like for someone to believe in me when I may not have been ready to believe in myself. And I made sure I did that with all the people in my care during my career. And just quickly, uh, I had some uh, very interesting, exciting assignments inside UPS. I had more of a non-traditional UPS background. For example, we purchased mailbox, et cetera, and we branded to the UPS store. I had that as a direct report. Got a chance to work with some wonderful, wonderful franchisees, entrepreneurs. Learned so much about that from them. And then we purchased over 20 companies and built what's today UPS Supply Chain Solutions. And I ran this side of the world for UPS. So that was an opportunity for me to really understand how do you bring people together from different backgrounds, different cultures, different organizations, and try to get them to feel like they're part of something special without having them forget where they came from or leaving their past behind them. Retired at 55, uh, was recruited 36 years. We was recruited to be a CEO of a telecom company. We built cell towers, upgraded cell towers, had a sale there, and then I started my own business, as you mentioned, 360. So I guess you could argue or say that my number one failure is retirement. <laughs> as they say with most retired people, the thing that they do after they retire is sometimes they go get another job, so they're not always retired. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know how much it was me retiring as much as my wife, Deb, who looked at me one, the first day. I said, so what are we doing today, hon? She goes, I don't know what you're doing. You haven't been around for a long time, so you're not following me around the food store. So if I were you, I'd figure out something else to do. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, I appreciate your service with UPS. My grandfather actually worked for UPS for almost 20 years. He retired from the military, so he was a UPS driver in Luskin, Texas. <laughs> oh, God bless him, man. He worked hard, I can tell you that. And I got to tell you, that's the company. The company isn't Rocky Romanello or the CEO. The company is that person who's closest to the customer. I think sometimes we lose sight of that. UPS is your grandfather. Yes, definitely. All right. So I know you talk about balanced leadership. So for anyone who is new to leadership or aspiring to leadership, what exactly is balanced leadership? So one of the things that I learned throughout my career is that extremes are no good on either side. And when you bounce side to side, you just, you're just so disruptive to your people. You know, think about that early adopter or person working for you. Every day you come in with a new idea you know, they're just bouncing off the walls trying to please you. And, of course, there's that group of people on the other side of the equation that are like, hey, it doesn't just sit tight. You're going to come up with a new idea, do nothing. And, of course, the people in the middle don't know what to do. So, for me, balance was so important. So, as I was making decisions and as you're making decisions, you want to make sure that the three key constituents are always represented, your customers, your people, your shareholders, the stakeholders. And so, as I would be listening and someone would present to me a new idea, I would listen to make sure all three constituents were represented. So quickly, a good example would be a new product or service we're going to bring to market. Well, the, the sales and marketing people would bring a well-articulated presentation of why this is a product we need, where it fits in the marketplace, and why it's important for our portfolio. Of course, the CFO, he or she sitting there banging on a calculator and saying, yeah, at that price point, we can make some money. At that point, the customers are represented and our shareholders, stakeholders are represented, I would stop at that point and say, 
well, it's great that our customers is the right product for our customers. It's great. It's great that we can make money. How about our people? Do our people know what role they play? Why it's important? You know, why this product's so important to us? You know, how they handle a service disconnect? What's the training that they need? So I always want to make sure that all three key constituents are represented in the decision-making process, and that gives you balance. So you're not swinging just towards customers or just towards profitability or just to your people. You want to make sure there's a balance that everybody's represented and everyone has a, a seat at the table. Hmm. Okay. So it's been said that great leaders have some key core values. So I want to ask you, what are your leadership beliefs, and do you feel like you've been able to live up to those beliefs and values? Well, I think I absolutely, and I think it starts with, that's a great question too, by the way, and that's one of the ones that we, you know, I often get the opportunity to speak at, you know, juniors and seniors in high school, juniors and seniors in college, and talk about the career journey. And, and it starts for me, and it's, I think it really should start with all of us, with asking yourself three questions. Who am I? What do I stand for? And those two you can articulate pretty well. No different than a company could articulate who are we, what do we stand for. Number three is the key question, and it gets to the question you just asked me. What are the things I won't compromise? And I, if you think about companies, think about those companies that have got themselves in trouble. I'm sure if you and I walked around the, the, the organization, we'd go to a cafeteria, we'd see a value statement, a mission statement, an 800-line number, all those things that are, are stating who we are, what we stand for. But number three is the one that gets people in trouble. What won't I compromise? And it's no different with you as an individual. So who is Rocky Romanella? You know, what does he stand for? But what are the things he won't compromise? And I think that's so important. So for me, it's integrity. For me, and, and integrity falls into two categories. There's the obvious integrity violation, you know, I'm not going to cheat or lie or steal, those kinds of things. But the second part is, is, I think, is equally important, which is integrity of your word. You asked me to do something. I said I was going to do it. Did I do it? And I think a lot of times in organizations, people fall short of that. They, they either yes you to death or they nod, and they have no intention of fulfilling what they just committed to. And I think so integrity of your word, to me, is, that, is, as, is as important as integrity from the more, you know, the more, more basic and, and, and the more traditional sense. And then I think there's things like safety. We'll never compromise on safety. Your people have to know you care enough about them that you won't let them work unsafely. And in today, what, what's, what's going on in the world today, safety now is moving past the obvious safety of, of the individuals inside your organization. It's your customers. Do your customers feel safe in your place of business today? versus six months or three months ago. So, so safety is one of those core values I think are, are so important. And so, so for me, I think individuals have to identify those, those or be, and be able to answer those three questions. Who am I? What do I stand for? And most importantly, what won't I compromise? Because you will get challenged on number three, and then that sets your brand. That's your brand promise. And the day you violate that brand promise, that's the day you lose your people lose respect for you and you've lost your credibility. Wow. And speaking of integrity, which you just spoke about a lot and then your credibility. Now I've heard you say it's what you do when no one is watching 
that counts. But at times we've seen leaders fall at various times. So to me, it seems like that's common sense, that the things that you do when no one is watching are just as important as when people are watching. But why do you think people get caught up into that? Well, first of all, I, I think it's it's even more important it's when no one's watching, right? And when, and when my dad first told me that, I kind of smiled at him because I was a teenager at the time. And I looked at him, I go, Dad, you just ruined it. The best part, no one's watching. And he just sort of smiled and he looked at me and said, there's always two people watching, the man upstairs and the person looking in the mirror. And if you think about that, if you think about your grandfather, I absolutely know for certain in my heart that he did all the right things when no one's watching. And he may not have gotten that recognition, but he was doing the right thing. So he, every day he looked in the mirror and, and knew that he did his best job he possibly could. He left nothing in the tank and he did the best job he could. And his customers saw that, right? I'll give you a quick example. When we would move around the country with UPS, you know, and we'd go to meet the neighbors or whatever. Debbie was great with meeting everybody. I would say, hon, why don't we meet these people? We're going to move again. Then you're going to be sad. No, no, we got to meet the neighbors. All right. So people would say, well, how'd you get here? And I said, well, I work, you know, I work for UPS. And then the next question they asked me was the one that I kind of always felt so good about. They'd say to me, hey, do you know my driver? Now think about that. There's 70,000 or so drivers at UPS. So the fact that someone would ask me, do I know their driver, really means that that driver is doing the right thing when no one's watching. And so as a leader, it's doing those right things when no one's watching that counts. It's, and, it, and you, but you're always watching. So, so you really have to make sure, think about you as a system principal or as a teacher, right? Think about how you take that extra time. You're noticing that one student that's falling a little bit behind. And so now it's break time and they're all going off to recess, but you find a way right, to have that conversation and say, hey, I, hey, you got any questions, how things are going? Because you're watching that little light bulb go off over their head, and you're seeing if they can connect the dots. No one's watching, but you're watching, and, and you know inside that those are the right questions for you to ask. So for me, that, that's the most important thing. It's what, what did you do when no one was watching? Did you do the right things? The recognition you get is, is the best recognition you can get, and that's that you can look in the mirror and know that you did the best job you could. You may not have gotten all the results you wanted. It may not have been a perfect day. But you know what? I, you know, I, go, I look in the mirror and think, okay, you know what? My dad will be proud of me. And, you know, my family will be proud of me. And, hey, you know, I did the best job I could. Yes. Okay. And now I'm going to throw out another phrase that you use. You also have a phrase, tighten the lug nuts. I know lug nuts are have to do with a car, right? Yes, <laughs> so there you go. Yes. <laughs> so what would that have to do with leadership? Like I'm trying to figure out how is that connected? Oh, you're going to get it soon, boy. You're going to be running around after this, and you're going to be talking about tightening lug nuts when we're done here. So if you think about it, on the vehicle, got lug nuts. And when the lug nuts are loose, they're important, right? We walk by and we see a loose lug nut. And at that moment, you could simply just tighten the lug nuts. But what happens? You get distracted, something else comes up, and now something that was important becomes urgent because a few days from now, the wheel has a problem, and now you can't drive the car anymore. And so tighten the lug nuts, as simply put, is don't allow important things, the lug nuts being loose at that moment, to become urgent when you don't take care of it because you can only handle so many urgent things. 
And so if, if, if you allow important things to become urgent, you get overwhelmed. So tighten the lug nuts. Take care of what you can take care of when you can take care of it. That makes sense. Like it's like right. put out the fire like right away. <laughs> yeah. How many how many times do you get that person that you know you give them a, a project or something's going on and and what I find the most frustrating is is when someone doesn't tighten the lug nuts and then a problem happens and then they want to blame everybody else. I got no luck. I'm, you know I'm off plan now. So, I've got to stop everything I'm doing. You could have just simply tighten the lug nuts when you had the chance to do it. That's true. <laughs> okay. When it comes to leadership, you say that you should put the majority of your stock in the customer. Why is that? Well, well, it's because I really take the customer at two places. So, for example, you have the external customer, which is the obvious. But, but to me, the internal customer is just as important, and in some cases, maybe even more important. So, for example, inside an organization, you are, you know, you have a county department working with a, a you know, business development function with a, with the HR function, and so those are your internal customers. And I think sometimes what happens inside, especially inside of large organizations, those internal customers don't get the same time, same respect, or the same response that an external customer would get. And so I count them as customers. And I, I say all the time, look, it's great that you take care of your external customers. Revenue is the lifeblood of an organization. You need to make sure you take care of your customers. But your internal customers are just as important because as a team, we function in, in great harmony when we're, when we're all, you know, working together. And I think that's where that whole integrity of your word happens, you know, you know, you're the business development manager, you've got a new contract that you need to get approved, Be, you know, maybe in this organization, accounting is a large part of it to make sure the pricing's right. My relationship with the accounting function is so important for me to be able to, you know, work together and get that approved. And vice versa, there are times when the accounting function needs something from your function. And if you're working together and the internal customer is getting the same respect that the external customer is getting, it just creates great harmony with inside your organization. And, you, you know, you think about a school system, how that all works and, and how it's important each year when, when, a, when a student's going from third grade to fourth grade. You know, I trust that you, as the fourth grade teacher, that those individuals coming from third grade got the, the proper teaching, the proper training, and mentoring as students because now, you know, I trust you as, as that teacher who moved that person on to me. Yes. So let's say one of the listeners out there is becoming a brand new leader. They just landed this really awesome job in leadership and they're fired up, ready to go. When they hit the ground running, what is something that they need to keep at the forefront? Well, the first thing to understand is that it's never about you. It's always about your people. The mistake that leaders make quite often is they make it about themselves. You know, think about sitting in a meeting and you hear that person in charge says, you don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know how much pressure I'm under. Well, you know what? You signed up for the job, by the way, and you're getting paid quite a bit of money. So your people really don't, are not really interested in hearing how tough you have it. So I think that the first lesson is always it's never about you. It's always about your people. I think the second thing is I always tell people that whenever they're starting a journey and whether it's in their career or a new assignment, especially when they're starting their careers, think of the word you want someone to use to describe you at the end of your career. 
So what's that word? You know, and could be integrity, could be honesty, whatever the word is. For me, it's thoughtful. I wanted to be considered a thoughtful leader. So that becomes my brand. And if you think about it, once you think about and you identify what is that word that you want someone to use to describe you at the end of your career, you end up building a mosaic to that word throughout your career. So your decisions for me were thoughtful. Did I, did I consider things from its widest consequences? Did I make sure that all the people were represented? Did I make sure all constituents are represented? I think that's what's important. So here you are, you've got this new responsibility, you've got this new assignment. You ground yourself by realizing it's not about you, it's about your people. And what's my brand? You know, wh what am I about? What's that word I want someone to use to describe me at the end? And so then that becomes who you are. That becomes your brand. Then it becomes your brand promise. And then as your personal brand, it's important for you to live up to that brand promise. Yes, I, I do understand the importance of building a brand. Of course, as with the podcast, I'm building a brand with Strive for More and putting myself out there as I'm building this community of strivers and great people so that we can educate the, you know, many people around the world. Um, and it's a really great feeling. Well, think about even when, you know, as a, as a system principal, right? If, if I'm a new teacher and I'm coming to your school and I ask a teacher who a friend of mine who's been there before and I say to them, hey, what is she like? Well, they start to describe you. They start to describe, you know, what's important to you, you know, how, you know, the whole routine about being, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses, the greatness, the greatness about you. Well, that's your brand. It's no different than a product, right? When someone says, oh, I want to go, you know, buy this product and they describe that product. So all of us, or have a brand. We don't, I'm not sure at times we recognize that brand or we recognize how important that is, but you have a brand. And if I was becoming a teacher in that school, I would ask someone, they, they could rattle off all your, all the great things that you do and why it's such a, why they're so proud and honored to work in that school system that you're, that you're in. Well, that becomes your brand. And I think that that's, what's important. That becomes, that doesn't mean that people always like it. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're not holding people accountable. It means you're consistent. It means that you live up to your brand promise. Now, I have another question for you, and this is something that usually plagues people who are very successful, uh, who have risen, uh, you know, through the ranks, and they are perhaps in C-suite jobs or they are in just some type of high-level leadership. And once they are there, even though they have the talent, they have the skill set, they, you know, they have the knowledge, but they get there and they don't feel like they belong and they have what is called imposter syndrome as a leader. And that seems to seep in and cause this incredible amount of doubt, even though they deserve to be there. And I know even for myself, I've struggled with imposter syndrome. So as a leader, what can you do? to kind of banish that or quiet that imposter syndrome feeling? So I would say that all of us have our doubts. Every single person has those difficult days and has those difficult moments. You know, I remember getting asked one time, you know, at, at a very senior level, you know, what's your biggest concern? And my, you know, I would always say my biggest concern is they're going to figure out I'm the guy I promoted and said, that's the guy we promoted, really? So we all go through that. I think... <laughs> I think that and when people ask me, you know, what's your big, what's one of your core strengths? One of my core strengths is that, that I know what I don't know. 
And, and so I never feel, I think that anyone that's going through that imposter syndrome, if you think about it, sometimes it's because you feel, hey, if I ask questions or if I seek advice or if people know that I'm really not as good in finance and accounting as maybe I am in some other part of the business, maybe they don't think I deserve to be here. Hey, no, none of us knows everything. And so there, we all have poor strengths. I tell people all the time, if a train left New York and a train left California, I probably couldn't tell you when it got in the middle. But when they got off that train, they'd be happy people. So that's my poor strength. That, that means I need a good finance manager. I need, I need to ask the right questions. So I think part of it starts with you're not vulnerable when you ask good questions. You're not vulnerable when you understand what you don't know. That's a great strength that you have enough internal confidence to seek the right advice, ask the right questions, and have counsel from the right people. That's not a weakness. And I think part of that imposter syndrome comes from the belief that if I'm asking all these questions or I seem like I don't, you know, I don't understand everything, people are going to think I should never got this job or I wasn't ready for it. We're never 100% ready for any job. I told people all the time when I was CEO, to me, it stood for chief enthusiasm officer. Every, you know, we had good people doing good work. It wasn't my responsibility to run the day-to-day, -day, although people tend to do the things that they are the most comfortable at. So I would say, you know, it's not, it's not a weakness to ask good questions. It's not a weakness to seek good counsel. It's, it's a quiet confidence that you understand what you're good at and you understand the things you need help with. Well, Mr. Romanella, or Rocky, as you say, for me to call you. Yes, of course. <laughs> That's our time. Oh, my gosh, I could talk to you all day about leadership. Um, your knowledge and your wisdom expertise is, is phenomenal. And I really appreciate, you know, you taking the time out and sharing your wisdom with me and my listeners. All right, I have one last question. And each guest I like to ask the question towards the end it has nothing to do with what we've been talking about. So my question to you is who are two people, dead or alive, you would have at special dinner guests? Well, the first one was always George Washington. And the reason for George Washington for me was that when he was going through Valley Forge, through those difficult campaigns, you know, really didn't have the money to pay the troops and they were starving and some were, were sick. And what, you know, I would, to me, the question was always, what did you you know, what did you say to them? How did you keep them motivated? How did you keep them fighting? You know, how did you keep them in your, you know, how did you keep them together as a, as a team? It, it always, it always amazed me, like, how he could do that, or what, what were the things that took place during such, such a difficult time, right? You know, almost every battle a team like this could be the battle that ends, that ends the whole revolution, that ends this whole, you know, the whole opportunity to become a country. So that would be one, uh, the second, you know, the second one is my dad passed away about 10 years ago. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we had a great relationship. And so much of my childhood is formed by him. The things I talk about today, I mean, the two most important people that have influenced me is, is my dad as a youth and my wife, Debbie, in my adult life. I mean, I look at the things that I do today. I would never do them without her. So I probably would love to, you know, look at this have a conversation with my dad and maybe as a kid, you don't always say the things you wish you could say, but I, hey, Dad, you know, uh, you know, I, I clearly understand now what it means. It's, it's, it's what you do when no one's watching the count. So it'd be nice, it'd be nice just to, 
you know, have a cup of coffee with them and uh, tell them, hey, you know what? I, I, I know, I know you were wondering if I was listening, but I was. Awesome. Well, Rocky, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Can you do me a favor? Can you share with everyone how they can either purchase a copy of your book or book you to come speak at their next conference? Well, thank you for asking this. Very, very kind of you. So my book is called Titan the Lug Nuts, as we spoke. It's an Amazon five-star review book, which has been very humbling. And uh, so it's uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble online. Uh, you could also go to our website, number 3 and the word 60, S-I-X-T-Y, managementservices.com. There you can find out more about the book, You, you can, uh, and you can contact me. I answer all the contact uh, inquiries myself. And, of course, you could also, uh, we could also talk about booking for, uh, for keynote speeches. I am doing some virtual keynotes now, which has been interesting. So we're doing virtual keynotes, and I do, we also have a, you know, our portfolio of training workshops as well as a portfolio of speeches, keynote talks that I have done in the past and uh, gives you a good library of information there as well. We also have a website for the book. It's called www.tightenthelugnuts.com. So uh, I hope you enjoy the book. For every book sold, uh, we donate a dollar to the Jimmy Valvano Fund to find the cure. I had the opportunity many years ago to have a conversation with legendary uh, coach John Wooden and uh, what, uh, he's, he also has since passed, but Coach Wooden was a remarkable man. And uh, one of the things that he talked to me about was the, the Jimmy V Foundation and how important that was. And so, so I was so impressed with how he treated me, and, and I loved his his lessons. Uh, I would uh, so we, we we've been donating a dollar to the Jimmy V Foundation. So it's a, I hope you would view it as a good read. I think you'll enjoy the stories. And uh, you'll be donating to the Jimmy B Foundation to find the cure as well. Any last words of encouragement for the listeners as they strive for? Yeah, I think it, I, the, the thing I would say to, to say to everyone is that there are no easy jobs in any company, and so every job is important. And I think that what ends up happening is is I think as a leader one of the most important things you can do is to recognize everyone inside your organization and to remember that you're not managing people. People are in your care. You have an obligation and responsibility to make sure that they understand that you view them as part of the solution, not part of the problem, that they're an important, that the difference between, you know, a good company and a great company is its people and that your people are your most important asset. And if you keep grounded like that, you start to build wonderful relationships and you build relationships that not only help you professionally, but in some cases personally as well. And it gives you that, you know, pretty good feeling at the end of the day that you made a difference in someone's life, whether it's through a simple hello, those simple acts of kindness that you do. So my encouragement would be never lose sight of how important your people are inside your organization. Well, Rocky, that's great. That's our time. Thank you so much again. I, I just can't keep thanking you enough. It's, it's just such an honor to have you as a guest on my show. I wish you nothing but blessings and abundance for your future. Just continue to strive for more and live your best life now. Take care. Hopefully, listening to this episode will encourage you to think about your own leadership legacy. What would you like people to say about you once you have stepped down or away from that post? Get serious and ask yourself the three questions Rocky mentioned. 
Who am I? What do I stand for? And what are the things I will not compromise? If you have enjoyed this episode, consider supporting me by sharing it on LinkedIn through your network. Seriously, click the link and share it on LinkedIn. Matter of fact, find my page on LinkedIn, search Strive for More Lifestyle Podcasts, click follow, and then share the post I have on my page. My name is Ronika Jacobs. You have found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. Thanks for your support. See you in the next episode.